Is this mic turned on? Wax poetic. Hi, kids. I'm a dinosaur hunter BMX rider. All the little girls dream of one day biting into a corn dog and smiling at the camera. If I ran the web, you could email dead people. Wax poetic. And I don't give a moment's focus to who does or doesn't like the sound of my voice. In the terrarium is herpes. Herpes is a hermit crab. Just say no to family values. This is Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. So what if I write a poem like a song? Good afternoon and welcome to Wax Poetic. I'm one of your co-hosts today, Pamela Bentley. And I'm R.C. Weslowski, the other host today. And our guest in studio is Crystal Smith. Hi, Crystal. Hey, how are you? Very good. Nice to have you here in studio with us. Uh, You're a local poet and now playwright, as you're going to be part of the Vancouver International Fringe Festival coming up next week. Uh, So we'll have you start us off with a poem, please. Sure, it'd be my pleasure. Um, Crystal Smith, the Wayu, Kigata, the Huahuacu, Vancouver, the Wotsagu, Kispaguara, the Pidigu, Toyetitim, Kosalish, Toyetitim. I just wanted to introduce myself first in the Somali language, which is from the Simshian people of northern British Columbia. And the poem that I'll start off with is Vulnerability Unneeded. I want to tell you a story. A story about a woman, a young, beautiful, powerful woman, an intelligent and indigenous woman, stuck in poverty, stuck in a square, a box our government created, your government created, a box pushed into a dark closet, a square immersed in poverty. She was thinking outside this box. She was wanting more than poverty. Education was the path, they said, but no one understands the path to education, she thought. So she stuck out her thumb to begin her path to education because our government doesn't want to fund the path to education. Your government doesn't want to fund her path to education. No car, you see, no gas money, no ride into town, no easy path to education. So she sticks out her thumb, hoping to get a ride to a better future. And she does, you see, grows into education, works hard, reads lots, writes more. Uses her thumb to climb out of this box, yet as she reaches the top, the same ride to a better future turns into a ride of death. She stuck out her thumb the very last time. The last time. The last time she was seen was on the road because her final paper was due. She never made it. She tried to make it, but the path was too dark and evil found her. Found her vulnerable on the side of the road. Vulnerable. This vulnerability unneeded if our government funded a bus, but your government cut funding where more funding was needed. And devastation poured over the village because, you see, she was a shining star. She was hope. She was power. She was still a child to a mother, a proud mother, who nurtured her, who tried to keep her safe, who said, please, don't use your thumb, who said, please, 
don't use your thumb, knowing that it was the only way to save her daughter from poverty, knowing that it left her daughter vulnerable, but vulnerability was the only way out, and this time, vulnerability led out to devastation. And her mother cried. Her mother cried, and the police couldn't hear. The RCMP could not hear. Colonial constructions blocked their eyes. Colonial views covered their ears. Colonial power struggles tied their hands. Colonial failures. Police failures. Failures. But her mother still cried because after years of no answer, she was still missing. And her mother cried. Today we talk about numbers, but numbers are just numbers. This story is not just about one woman. This story is about thousands of women. This story is about thousands upon thousands of mothers who cry, fathers who comfort, cousins, aunties, and relatives who say it will be okay, even though everyone knows it won't be okay. And it's not okay. It's not okay that we have... 1,200 plus women, indigenous women that are missing and or murdered. And it's not okay that services, basic services are unattainable within small communities. It's not okay for the RCMP to ignore the calls, the reports, the women going missing. It's not okay to have a highway so full of tears, nor is it okay to have this same highway named the Highway of Tears. It's not okay that after... 40 plus years of our women going missing, nothing is being done. This is not a, an indigenous problem. This is about humanity. These women had lives, had families who care, and their lives matter, just as my life matters. It is a miracle that I am here. It could have been me. It could still be me. But I have hope that my daughter... My baby girl won't have to repeat my words, that she will grow into a world where all women are protected. Where all women are protected, and she is growing fast, so world, validate my hope. Show me that you too believe, believe that all women should be protected, and know that your time is ticking, and don't let it pass you by. Don't fall into darkness, don't cover your eyes, don't harden your hearts, because our world will darken and no one will be safe with the loss of your humanity wow thank you thank you so much yeah thank you um is it a lot to read that it is um i haven't this poem is written about the highway of tears mm. obviously and um about the women on the downtown east side, about women, indigenous women all across Canada who have to face these issues on a daily basis, including myself. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I write, this is what, this is who I'm writing for. Right. Yeah. It's really profound how you tie everything together in terms of, uh, um, 
wanting an education, you know? So how do you get out of a remote community in order to get an education? And what do you have to do? And you do things that put yourself in danger. Or maybe you want to leave a situation in a small town and you put yourself in danger in order to get away from danger and then you end up in a situation. But it's the it's the fact that that becomes a situation, right? It shouldn't even be a situation, yeah. right? And you make all those connections really well. And uh, I, I really appreciate you doing that in your work. You don't just talk about... Um, the violence and the and the deaths you you make connections about how does that happen where how do we get here right how do we get to this place where we have to talk about it yeah and I just feel like a lot of people don't understand um, that this is not just like these women don't want to be kidnapped they don't want to be murdered like no one wants this mm -hmm. for themselves um, and it is because of our our colonial background that Canada has that um, puts Indigenous women at the forefront of all of these issues. Yeah. Of the violence. Of the violence. Yeah. And I like how you said this is this is a humanity problem. This isn't just. But I think it often gets framed in the media as this is an Indigenous uh, problem and all that sort of stuff, and narrowing it and making it an other thing again, mm -hmm. rather than you know opening it up and saying yes, this is a humanity problem. This is something that affects us all, and how do we, how do we proceed from there? Like even if that minor minor thing, that's not minor, but I mean you know that shift in consciousness, yeah, took place, yeah, um, and that's really what I hope to do with my work, with all my poetry, and with this play that I've written, um, is just to try and have people reframe their thinking mm -hmm. um, and um, allow allow them to see it themselves through my work. Mm -hmm. um, the language you spoke off the top, can you say again what that tongue was? Uh, Somaliach. And how many people are speaking that language these days and how fluent are you in it? Uh, I'm not fluent at all by uh. any means. I can just introduce myself. Mm -hmm. I've been... Um, gifted that that small portion mm -hmm. um and i can't say how many people have are speaking it but i do know that um uh in prince rupert they have now um, brought it into schools the curriculum yeah, yeah I, and so it's into the curriculum yeah yeah i think well, i personally feel like that's a key component of like a first nations or indigenous people if they if we can recreate not recreate the the speaking of that language but allow that language to be alive again and not, you know, not in the history books and not in the past and that sort of stuff. Cause it's stop it before it's gone. Get it. Because the elders pass yeah. away. The language passes away. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So I'm hoping to work more on that. Um, and I'm teaching my children the small bit that I know. Oh, cool. So, um, it is, it's all about revitalization and bringing it back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For sure. All their kids. Uh, I have a daughter who's six and a son who's four. Mm -hmm. Yeah, light of my life. Cool. <laughs> and you talk about yourself as a mother in that poem. And the name of the play that you've done is Saving Mother. And yes. you're making connections there between... Can you talk a little bit about the connect? Is that piece part of the play that you just did? Uh, no, it's not. It's a okay. piece that I wrote um, a little while ago um, that I wanted to... Because... Um, it's such a personal issue to me yeah. as being a woman, an indigenous woman, and having family that lives along the Highway of Tears in northern British Columbia, um, that it gets very personal. Of mm -hmm. course. Yeah. Of course. 
Uh, but tell us about the play. Yeah, you've got a, a play there. you've written, mm-hmm. uh, performing at the Vancouver Fringe, and uh, it's called Saving Mother. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so um, before talking about the play, I should talk about how, how the play came to be. Okay. Um, I applied to this program through the only animal called Generation Hot, and Generation Hot is... Um, a group of young adults there's 10 of us i believe and we all are speaking to the fact of uh, global warming um, or climate change and how it's affecting us as young adults and how it's going to be affecting uh, the world around us and so for me as an indigenous woman um I just felt that I had to make sure that the play that I create uh, reflected um, my perspective of global warming. And so Saving Mother is about the uh, interrelatedness between violence on the land and violence on Indigenous women's bodies. Mm. Yeah, Yeah. Important stuff. Yeah. Um, And it's actually, as women... Indigenous women and women all across the world, um, we are the center of the communities because um, we're the people that bring life. Um, Without women, you would have no life. Um, Just as the earth is often looked at as Mother Earth um, because it brings life. We can't live without the world. And um, one of the things that I've been learning quite a bit is that um, it's not about saving mother, even though I, I've named my play Saving Mother. It's about um, saving ourselves as the human race because the earth is so powerful um, and it has just this ability to continue its rebirth um, that it will move on mm-hmm. once we are gone. That's yep. right. It doesn't matter if we're here. Yeah. yeah. So it take another form, right? <laughs> exactly. I wondered if that when you were talking about the um, the darkening in the first poem that you read, I wonder if that was a reference to like the coming, whatever is coming next, right? Yeah, and it's um, we talk about like the point of no return, um, and I don't understand why uh, our government Trudeau is um and christy clark are not taking these things seriously enough that um the world in general is taking steps to not get close to the point of no return um and so yeah so to move backwards but yet we're still doing things like the sight sea dam Mm -hmm. um and the tar sands and we're not moving towards renewable energy we're we're staying in the 19th century for some reason. They're clinging to it and throwing more money at it. Let's build yeah. more pipelines instead of using that money to consider other options, right? Or build yeah. more cars that don't need Gas. fossil fuel. Yeah, right? for sure. Um, the play, is it uh, is it a play or is it a monologue or how many people? Or yeah, is it a couple people tell. interacting? How, how is, what's the shape of it? Um, yeah, so um, I'm doing my master's at UBC. And I came across this article that um, had a, a mythical creature, I guess you could say, called Wendigo. Yep. Um, and Wendigo is um, a legend from the east, eastern Canada, and it talks about um, 
it being a cannibal monster that roams the northern forest and attacks unsuspecting passerbys. Um, another part of the story that is so that um, really caught my attention is that it mentions that a human could become Wendigo and attack their own family, but also their entire village. Mm. So the whole the whole community would be gone because mm-hmm. this one person became Wendigo. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I was reading this, I automatically thought of assimilation, um, of um, colonial wow, that's so um, interesting. Yeah. colonialism. In that, um, the settlers coming onto the land are a Wendigo, mm. and the assimilation process through residential schools, through city scoop, through um, even like our government systems now, where we have um, bands and chief and council, um, like these things are Wendigo ready to destroy our communities and so that's what my play is really about is about this idea of wendigo um and so i have four characters i have uh grandmother i have mother and i have child and the fourth character is wendigo which i have created to be the white male mm-hmm. um and so it's it's um yeah, a beautiful play that I keep falling in love with every time we come to rehearsals and, mm-hmm. and everything changes and um, just seeing it come to life off the paper is profound for me. You get this lovely smile when you're saying <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> when you think about it. Yeah. Is this the first time that you've written a play and, and turned it over to actors and seen somebody bring your words and ideas to life? It is. Yeah, it is my first time. Um, I'm usually a poet, and I've actually written a short story as well, um, which is in its publishing stages, kind of. I just need it edited. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this is my first play, and... Um, it's really special to see other people bringing it to life. Cool. And looking at the program, I've got it in front of me. It looks like there's five performances. Yes. And the first one is next Friday, September 9th, 8.30 in the evening. And it's part of, there's three shows each evening as well. So you're one of three each night? Yes, okay. that's correct. Um, and is it all three start at 8.30 or yours starts at 8.30? Um, all three. You know? Okay. Yeah. Um, and it'll be at the Anderson Street parking lot on Granville Island. So if you're at all interested, uh, make sure you check it out. Opening night is next Friday. Yes. Cool. And all these plays together are generation hot, right? It's like a, a performance series of the plays that the people came up with. With the, What was the animal, the name of the... Uh, the, the only, only animal. animal. The only animal, right? Yes. So there was a there was how long was the process of the mentorship where you came up with the ideas for the short plays and wrote them and Yeah, we started in March, in late March. So from March until now, that's how long we've been working oh, this on year. it. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty this quick. Year. Yeah, it's been really fast. Oh, wow. Um and like huge steps um to f- first like talk about what climate changes how it's affecting us um and then we went into like the writing stages and um i actually put a call out for my actors uh like last month and just as i did that um my mentor mia amir um she is the creator co-founder of the story we be she contacted me and said she wanted to go over my script with me 
And so I went over and, and we talked about it and it was like a cre- completely revamp of it. So uh-huh. it was like brand new, um, even though I started maybe in April writing it. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's like a completely new script. <laughs> what were the key changes that were made? Um, I was actually trying to avoid Wendigo mm. in this play uh-huh. um, because I was focusing on it so much in my academic yeah. um, writing that I didn't want to bring it into my creative writing. Um, but it just fits so well. Um, and it really um, brings attention to that colonial violence that is um, pressed upon Indigenous mm. people. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I would love to hear another poem if you've uh, got something else you're willing to share. Our guest today is Crystal Smith, um, poet and now playwright, talking about her play Saving Mother at um, the Vancouver Fringe Festival. And you're listening to her here on Wax Poetic on Vancouver Co-op Radio 100.5 FM CFRO. Um, This next poem that I will read um, is about... Uh, residential schools. My late uncle, Henry Robertson, um, Gabagach, he was um, someone very dear to me. And when I found out that he went to residential school, um, it angered me. And I was like 13 at the time. And because I also promised myself that I wouldn't drink or do drugs at that time, writing was my, Mm. my outlet. And so I wrote my first poem about residential school. And um, after he passed, or just as he was ailing, he was getting sicker, um, this poem came to me. And um, it just speaks to uh, the strength that he had. But also thinking about those who were in the 60s scoop and those children that are now being taken from their families in foster care today. Um Uh, I've written this poem for them. As my feet become wings, lifting me across the ground, I try and reach my child. Their wails shatter within my ears, spreading throughout my body. Flying as fast as I could, I knew I wouldn't make it. He is like a vulture, preying upon the vulnerable. But he is a pawn playing upon a board called Canada. And their mission is to save the queen. Hunting down everything and everyone who gets in their way. They took my baby. My baby. A warrior. A weaver. A human. A child. Taken by the Indian agent. I mourned my child. My fingers lay upon the land, asking for forgiveness, for the life I had just lost, the protector who was stolen. Silence fell upon me. It wrapped its lengthy body around me, memorizing me, distracting me, squeezing me. The tighter it became, the quieter I felt. I mourned for myself. For the silence I became was not who I was meant to be, and as they rejoiced in victory, it became apparent that silence now petrified them. Silence. The hunted rose to become the hunters, 
moving in like silence upon the land, not yet ready to fly, for the weight of life kept us grounded. Weaving ourselves into this world, we survived the grip of colonialism. We began to outgrow silence, at first grasshoppers singing in the wind, morphing quickly into wolves, ready to protect, ready to sing songs of sovereignty. My child returned, following the songs of our people, and my child survived, survived torture, survived hunger, survived disease, survived assimilation. My child survived. And with our songs, with our culture, with our language, my child thrived. My child hunts the hunter, gathering the pack, preparing the pack for the revolution, the rebirth of true treaty, for relationships. My child will continue to unpack Canada's colonial baggage every day and everywhere, and we will not rest. We will not be silent, for we are warriors. Wolves of the land and sea, ready to protect. Thank you. I love how your soft tone in reading it, yeah. in my mind, it it adds to the power yeah. mm. of the words because you're. It feels like you're just stating the words, and they have all this inherent strength and power already. And then it just that nice delivery kind of like what the heck am i hearing <laughs> holy crap and punch and punch and punch and it's it's really powerful uh, so I, i'm just complimenting <laughs> you on your delivery i think it really adds to the words and it really makes them in my mind it makes them stronger in a way hearing them that way mm, thank you yeah. so much yeah i'm yeah. so glad you said that because i was thinking about when you were talking about being a warrior and and the tone and the soft tone and this quietness and that that warriors don't always have to be loud. And I was I was thinking the same thing. So when R.C. started to, I was like, yeah, that's right. Talk hmm. about that. Because <laughs> I think that's really, I've seen you do that on stage as well mm -hmm. when you're reading your poetry. When you, even when you are, in quotations, competing in a slam, right? Yes. You do that. And um, sometimes the judges uh, understand just how amazing that is and the points follow. But sometimes they don't. But it still affects all of us listening. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's so it's so good. Um, do you want to say anything more about the play? We're getting near the end of our time, yeah. so. Um, yeah, so I want to mention um, my actors that I have so far. So I have um, Zofia Medu. Mm, I can't remember her. <laughs> say her last name. It's not about remembering, it's about saying it. Does it, does it begin, <laughs> Sophia does it begin M. with a Z, her first name? Yeah. There's probably Zofia. not that many Zofias out there. Yeah. Yeah. So Zofia. She just needs one name. Yeah. <laughs> and then I have um Darren Metz and I have Kat Norris. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, an amazing woman in our community. Um, so I'm very honored to have her in my play as well. And then my mother has actually recently stepped back, so if there's any Indigenous actors out there um, that still feel like they want to be part of my play, you can contact me at crystals, C-R-Y-S-T-A-L-S underscore 18 at hotmail.com. And um, yeah, I look forward to hearing from any of you. And if not, then I would have to be playing them part of the mm. mother. So 
So if you've got a, if you want to be in this play, playing the mother role, yes, uh, get a hold of Crystal. You've got eight days to learn your part. Eight days, yes. <laughs> but it's a short. It's a short play. Uh, yes, it's, it's probably twenty not a minutes. Lot of work, twenty minutes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's twenty so minutes. You could do that. We could, yeah. Whoever that is considering it out there, I'm talking to you. You could do it. You can do it. For and, sure. And your show is going to be sharing uh, the night with two others called uh, Living on the Grid is one of them. And the other one is Apocalypse Parade. Um, and that also features uh, someone who has been a local poet. I don't know if they still do poetry, but Keely O'Brien, who uh, did stuff through the SFU program and with Barbara Adler. And uh, they've uh, done some really cool stuff. So that's on the same night as uh, Crystal's show, Saving Mother. And again, that starts next Friday, September 9th, 8.30 p.m. at the Anderson Street parking lot as part of the Vancouver International Fringe Festival. And I've listed all the dates on the Wax Poetic page on Facebook if you want to go and have a look there. And there's a link to the Generation Hot and that whole description of that, of the different plays. Um, also at the Fringe Fest, there's a couple more shows that... Um, have spoken word in them. Richard Letts, uh, what was it? Uh, Sober but never clean. Sober but never clean. And we have a guest next week um, who is coming into town from the UK with his show Fat Sex. Steve Larkin. And I uh, heard that that show just got five stars at the Victoria Fringe, where it is right now. He's a pro, man. So uh, you can check that out. And as well, TJ Daw has uh, show it's storytelling uh, monologue also part of the same um, programming that Richard's at and that's all at the Rio Theater there's seven shows there over seven nights I think they're calling it um, yeah so check out Burn Job is TJ's show cool and then on the four and I believe it's about like his younger days in in Burnaby which is why it's called Burn Job, that, that show. And then Peripatea is a group of musicians, opera singers, poets, and dancers. And we will have uh, the, the person behind the organizing that on the following show on the 14th of September, Leslie Stark, and she may be joined by one of the other six poets who are involved in that show. Um, other events, Poetry in the Park today uh, out in uh, New West at Queen's Park at the Bandshell. Wade Compton and Renee Saklakart might be a bit of a wet one, so make sure you take a chair and an umbrella. And if it is wet, they go into the gallery that is oh, behind the band show. Well, it wouldn't be a bad idea just to bring it in, an umbrella for sure. Yeah. And then Richmond World Fest on Saturday. Check them out. Um, Angelica. Angelica. I almost got it right. Angelica Bavarsky is behind organizing. There's like, I don't know, 12 poets, pop-up poets and doing uh, stuff at uh, the library and different things during the Richmond World Fest. And then on Monday at the Slam, September 5th, the uh, Marshall Gilson from the States is the feature. So we are done. We've got a we 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 wanted to uh, take up the whole time today, so we won't be doing our extra in, in our extra music. We'll just say thank you to our guest, Crystal Smith. And I've been one of your co-hosts today, Pamela Bentley. I'm R.C. Weslowski. Thanks, Crystal, for being our guest today. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. And uh, No Apologies Necessary is coming up next. <laughs> <laughs> Waiting for me to find something to play.